0: wanted to just um, have an announcement that was um, left out that we want to keep in our our prayers, and that's Carol Singleton's sister, um, Sharon Chase. She did pass away last Wednesday, as was put into um, the announcements, or at least I think one of the emails, and she was buried yesterday. So please keep Carol in your prayers. Um, I want to say if you can just go back and do that scripture reading one more time. I want you to go back and and look at that scripture reading. If you look very closely at Proverbs 3, I want you to look at what the author is doing here. He is taking wisdom and personifying wisdom as a beautiful and wealthy woman. And so the author says, my son... Imagine as you're having your father-son talk, and he's interested in girls, and he says, My son, happy is the man who finds wisdom. I want you guys to think Proverbs 31 for, for a minute. For those of who are older and recognize Proverbs 31 for that virtuous woman, and reverse it and think of wisdom. Happy is the man who finds, instead of her, finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than profits of silver, her gain than fine gold. You should also have in your mind Psalm 119 and specifically Psalm 19, right? That the law of God, where's the wisdom from, is greater than gold. And go on, and we see she is more precious than rubies. Again, Proverbs 31. And all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. And then in verses 16, 17, and 18 length of days are in her right hand, her left hand, riches and honor. And so, wisdom, personified as this beautiful, wealthy woman, on one hand lives long, and the other hand, great wealth. And he takes both as side by side. And then he says this, her ways are the ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. And so what you see in this personification is this person, wisdom, in this female, that this author is saying, son, here's who I want you to go after. And then he concludes this section by saying, she, wisdom. <coughs> is a tree of life to those who, and then the imagery that you can go back to Genesis chapter three. And in contrast to Genesis chapter three, takes hold. And those who take hold of her and retain her are happy. So that's the passage reading, right? And that's what I want us to focus on this morning. I want us to actually see this personification of of wisdom from the very beginning in the book of Genesis and see it. Because when we're talking about this whole concept of wisdom, it's all based upon questions. Life's questions. And I'd venture to say that every one of us, if we've lived long enough, we have been faced with questions that just, they dumbfound us. Things that if I make this, this um, quest and I go down this path because of my decision, it will affect the rest of my life. <coughs> right? For some of us, it may, it may be from, you know, I'm going to take this as my major. And maybe that will then lead me to a given job. And, may, and that may influence my daily lifestyle. The person who I date, right, may eventually become, as we were discussing this morning, my spouse. And that will affect my life in a very profound way. And in fact, that's what we're looking at in Proverbs 3. It's this picture of a man seeking a woman, but this woman is therefore personified through what is known as wisdom. Right? Here's wisdom personified as a woman, and now he says, go seek her this way. See what kind of life will affect you. So when we're talking about this concept the way of wisdom or the path, right, of wisdom, it leads us to this very moment where we're asking ourselves this, and we're asking ourselves from a standpoint of those who are Christians and we we live life day to day. And we've got things that we're going to have to come up with decisions based upon whatever we're faced with. And so very often we're confronted throughout our lives and that in hindsight, we look back at those decisions that we had made a day, a week, a month, a year, a decade later, and we can see more clearly how much of an impact those decisions have affected us. Things that we cannot see when we're in the haze, but now we get to see it very clearly. And also to complicate matters, I believe we live in a time in which in our modern culture with social media in particular we take almost every decision as if it is a moral decision let that sink in for a second that decisions that maybe in other cultures and especially in other eras of human history that were just decisions being made now it's placed upon a morality check this out Democrat or Republican right all of a sudden you're not even a Christian if you are and you fill in the blank Democrat or Republican how can you be because and then you fill in the blank we do that right We do it with many kinds of decisions. And so we're going to look at this concept of decision making more from the negative aspect of to begin with, because we're looking at this word that ultimately leads to this subject of wisdom that we're talking about. So I want you to see Lady Wisdom as personified. And then we're going to go back to Genesis chapter three. And I want you to see Lady Wisdom in the garden, in an ideal way from Genesis chapter 2 and then into chapter 3, right? So, as was mentioned, we were going through the reading. Long life are given to those who do not forget her teaching, verse 1, and to those who keep her commandments, verse 1. And then we're also seeing it as long life to these individuals, verse 16. Synonymously, by trusting in the Lord or by seeking after this woman Person of, or this yeah wisdom personified as a woman we can see this angle of, of path that you're taking when you follow her ways look at verse five again in proverbs chapter three verses five six and seven trust in the lord with all your heart remember we're talking about wisdom here and wisdom being personified as a woman and now we have this almost parenthetical statement Trust in the Lord or trust in Yahweh with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Okay. You're having parallel thoughts going on. Son, seek after her. Seek after wisdom. And then now, trust in the Lord. Do not lean on your own understanding. He continues. In all your ways, verse 6, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. Okay? It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So as we're looking at this statement, as we're looking at this, and we're ta- kind of taking it and bringing it into our modern everyday life, I want us to take that Put that on the side for a second because we're going to get finished off with that. Okay, what about me? What about my everyday life? And I want you to just take a step back in time and see what the author is trying to do. And I hope you get to see it because it's be- really beautiful. I want you to see in Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3, the ideal and the ideal broken. Okay. And, and I use the word ideal very uh, loosely because... There's more to it than just a simple ideal. What you have is God creating man. Man is to have this walk with God. And and that's Genesis chapter 1, right? After he's created, have dominion, be image bearers. And then in chapter 2, he goes to the summary of creation, talks about man, and it's not good for man to be alone, right? And then he creates woman. But just prior to that, when you read verses 9 following, I want you to see what the author has in mind there in the text. And then we're going to come back to this passage in in Proverbs and see if you can make that connection between these two. And see what the author was intending for us and how that plays out through the rest of Scripture. So, Genesis chapter 2, notice in verse 9. Let's see. Out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do you notice how he zeroes in? You got all these trees and amongst them are those that you can eat with or eat from. Right. And then he zeroes in on two trees. Here's one. It's tree of life. Here's one tree of knowledge of good and evil, as, it, as we have translated it in English. Well, what's interesting about this is when you go back to Proverbs, remember, he refers to wisdom as a woman, and then he refers to this woman as a tree of life. Now, go back to that garden scene. Because in, you've got these two trees, and God says to Adam... Of every tree of the garden you can freely eat. But in the day that you eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Which tree does he want him to partake of? The tree of life. <laughs> it's that tree that in book of Revelation and also here in verse um, 8 following, it will be healing to your body if you partake of this tree of life. Again, tree of life is wisdom in Proverbs 3. And it seems as if the author is hinting back at that tree of life in Genesis chapter 2. And the reason why I say that it seems like he's doing that, it it seems very intentional that he's using words about life, long life, um, you know, healing to your body. And I want you to hold that. Thought And go to Revelation chapter 22 and I want you to read verses 1 and 2 of this passage and then we'll kind of come back and get this picture before we move forward with the, the lesson. So Revelation 22 remember John's vision is heaven has come down God is with man right and he is in their midst just like the garden in Genesis 2. Then the angel Verse 1 of Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. Bright as crystal. Flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Again, very throne-like, temple-like scene. And also on either side of the river, the tree of life. With its 12 kinds of fruit. Yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree... Were for the healing of the nations. There's a definite play on this concept here in Proverbs and in Genesis, at least as I'm seeing it, right? And I believe that when you go back and reread Proverbs 3 over and over and then read Genesis 2 and 3, you get to see this contrast because Proverbs 3 is part of this big picture, the book of Proverbs. And sometimes what we do is we think of book of Proverbs and we're like, All these real one-liners right do this here's your your life but that's not until chapter 10 until you get to chapters 29 or chapter 30 31 before it goes back to this narrative like but chapters 1 through 10 or 1 through 9 and then the last chapter of Proverbs it's this picture you've got two women (coughs) and there are both very wise women Now, I'm using the word wise in a very neutered way, a neutral way, right? Wise for what? Wise can be for good or wise can be for evil. This lady wisdom is the one that is likened unto the tree of life. But there is this other woman in the book of Proverbs. She also is very wise. She is cunning. She is... As I was mentioning I have Bible studies with some of you here. A room. She uses what is referred to in Genesis chapter 3 about the serpent. She has a room. Not a room. She has the ability to be shrewd to discern, right? The the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. Y'all that passage everyone knows generally speaking here, right? More cunning. She is more a room, more a room than any beast of the field. This serpent had this ability to discern good from evil, and that's not wrong in and of itself. What was he using that discernment for? And that was the problem. In the case of Lady Wisdom, she's using it for life. It builds up, it edifies, it brings forth decisions that are likened unto God and well-pleasing to God. In contrast, the, the other lady, the seductress, the adulterous woman, she leads to death. Very two different women. And I believe that's what we're seeing here, two different trees. One tree, wisdom, the other tree, where you depend on your own guidance, Right? Remember again, Proverbs 3. Notice what he says in verse 5. One more time. Let me see here. Oh, in Genesis 3. Let me get to Proverbs. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your understanding. Okay? So take that concept and now go back to Genesis chapter 3. Right? So in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent comes to the woman. And the serpent, being more crafty in ESV translation, than any other beast of the field that yahweh elohim or lord god made he says to the woman did god actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden and the woman said to the serpent we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden but god said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden neither shall you touch it lest you die and the serpent said to the woman you will not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And now look at what this woman does. She uses her whatever level of discernment she has. Her level of discernment is not as cunning. It's not as crafty. It's not as a room as the serpent. Right? Kind of like, all right, brothers and sisters. Have you ever duped your little brother or your little sister into doing what you wanted to do and not them wanting to do, but you made them think they're getting to do what they want to do? Yeah? Happened, right? Husbands, done it to your wives. Wives, you've probably done it to your husbands. Probably wives win against the husbands. (laughs) Very crafty, very wise, using discernment and make them think that they are making that decision, but you're kind of pulling some strings behind the scenes. We all have done it at some point. I know I did I confess a sin when I was about eight years old I made my little sister think she was eating the most wonderful wonderful thing it was dog food snacks (laughs) so now it's public everyone knows I was using discernment I was using this thing called arum, not for good but for bad in a very childlike way but you see what I'm saying we do that we've done it Many times you have done it, whether it's for good intentions or for selfish intentions. We've done it. So that's what's taking place here. The serpent knows this woman has discernment, but he is smarter, if you will, if I can just use this word loosely, and cunningly gets her to think that what she is doing is good. The problem is she's now leaning on her own understanding. She is left trusting in the lord and now begins to say here's what i think is good versus not as good so in genesis chapter 3 here's what the woman says well back up verse 6 the woman saw that the tree was ah discerning it's good for food she saw that it was a delight to her eyes And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. Those are all things she discerned in whatever level that she was able to discern. And as a result, here's a serpent. Got her just where I want her. I appealed to her own sovereignty. Her own free will. And she's now leaning on her own understanding. And she is bought into my words. And just like that woman who is the seductress woman in the book of Proverbs, the serpent brings her into his fold where death awaits. That's the picture of Genesis 3. That's the picture in the book of Proverbs. And the thing is, it goes back to everything that we are talking about in our lives. When we are faced with decisions, what do we do? We look at a situation, we size it up, and we make our decision what we think is best, right? But you know, not all decisions are like straight from the Bible, right? We don't have every situation that is like, okay, this is the Lord's will because it's explicitly about it. But what about everyday things? I mean, something as simple as chocolate or vanilla, right? Who likes chocolate? Who likes vanilla? chocolate wins chocolate are better people than vanilla people, right <laughs> so right, again we impose a sense of morality on it because you don't like vanilla oh, or you don't like chocolate you know how dare you and we sometimes do that right here's where it gets really like this I know we're in Tennessee but Auburn or Alabama is it Tennessee does it is it UT versus Vanderbilt here I, I is it okay? One says no, one says yes, okay. I don't know, but I can guarantee you there's a lot of Auburn fans and Alabama fans in this room, and it's like fighting words, right? In some places, particularly probably in Alabama, I would guess, even more so. It's it's as if you can't be a faithful Christian if you're for the Crimson Tide, or vice versa. Right? It gets that way. Or how about this? You're buying a house, talking to Kyle, uh, two nights ago, we were having a discussion, Kyle and Kevin and myself, and I hope our wives were having fun with us talking about these things. Buying a house. I did not add in a third option, but you buy, do you use cash? You pay completely with cash. Yeah, I got one person laughing. (laughs) That's gonna happen, right? Or do you do a 10-year mortgage? Do you do an arm, you know, a short term, a five-year, seven-year? Do you do a 15? Do you do a 20? Do you do a 30-year mortgage? And what's interestingly uh, about this experiment that we're having was, why would you do that? Why would you go short on this when, and then you give all the reasons, and the other person, well, why would you do that when you can use your money this way? And, and we start moralizing a decision of, you know, what is an amoral, no moral attachment necessarily, but we bring moral attachments into the equation, right? Or how about this? White lies, are they okay? Honey, do I look fat? (laughs) Hey, these are real situations. You know, do I look good in this dress or do or this or, you know, or whatever the situation is. And, and then they get to be real serious stuff where you know of situations that are sinful situations. Do you tell someone, and this something happened a decade or two ago, do you bring it up and it's going to rock their world? What do you do? You know, right now, would it cause that marriage to end in a divorce by bringing up new information? I mean, you see how it gets real muddy real fast. And we're saying, well, what is the Lord's will in this? You know, do I do, I do this knowing that it could possibly break up a marriage that by all intents and purposes looks like they are having a good marriage right now? I mean, so it can get really, really hairy. Capital punishment, right? Which generations ago in this country... And I'm speaking generally, stereotypically. There was no problem with capital punishment. Today, it's such a very sensitive discussion. And you'll see very, very few states. I don't know if it's only one state left in our country. or I don't know how many states have capital punishment. But very few relative to just a generation or so ago. Or how about putting your life in harm's way to protect other people? Putting your life in harm's way to share the gospel of Jesus. Sounds good on paper, sounds good in discussion, but when you have to be faced with it, like, for instance, I remember back in Bogota, right? Julie, you know what I'm talking about. And I call our elders up. Please pray for me. We're going to go to the, I'm not going to say it, to the paramilitary that's opposing the government, knowing full well what the consequences could be. Mind you, I have young children, including Levi. How old is Levi, Han? Months old, a few months old, something like that. And the first thing I'm told is uh, you need to think about your family. That was stated out of love and concern for not only my well-being, for my family's well-being in addition. So their intention is out of love and wholeness. And then I ask the question, then why was I sent here? Because my intention is to go share the gospel for people who are lost in their sins. You get into all kinds of situations. You're asking, how do you answer these kinds of questions in life? And you are yourselves faced with these kinds of questions where at times it brings you to your knees and you have complete anxiety attacks in some cases. Just worried about what happens with this decision that I make. Because they're very important to you. And sometimes so important that you're wondering, does it affect your faith and so what I'm saying is when you go back to the text of Proverbs chapter 3 do we acknowledge him in all our ways you see while it may be kind of silly to talk about chocolate or vanilla I'm going what does God have to do with that we have to understand that God has given us our own fingerprints of life you know what that means that means he's given us a gift Of a sense of sovereignty that we can make choices of our own accord and be fully pleased with our decisions but there are times in which it's gonna affect our walk with him right chocolate vanilla may not affect our walk with God right but maybe there's some health issues that we can talk about that might affect us right I'm living proof. I can see how it's affect me. (laughs) Buying a house, can it affect your walk with God? I would think that it could, right? Do we put ourselves in situations of great debt in some cases because of the choice of house that we want to be in and the bills that now come our way and the difficulties maybe in paying for those bills? And does it not in turn affect Because of further choices, our walk with God, our relationship with family members, our relationship with other people, our relationship within the body of Christ. Sure it does. And these are the things that I'm talking about when you get into things where they in and of themselves may not have anything to do with God. It's like I'm buying a house. It's like chocolate or vanilla. I want this house versus that house. But there may be times when some of these decisions do affect other Relationships, and that's what I'm asking: Are we acknowledging Him in all our ways, dear God? I'm wanting to buy this house. How will it affect us? I'll give you a, a scenario, and I love this scenario, by the way, because I was I was single at this time. I had a 1978 Trans Am; is the first car I ever bought, and I bought it not because it was a Trans Am. I bought it because it was $800. (laughs) I had $800 in my hand. And I needed a car. Right? And the reason why I bought that car was I just became a Christian. I lived 50 miles away from this small two-family congregation. And I needed a way to get to be with these Christians. So that's the reason for buying the car. Not because it could go 90 miles per hour really nice. And so... After buying that car, first year went well. Second year, imagine Fred Flintstone in his car where you have to put your foot on the, the ground to brake. That's the Trans Am. It was a piece of junk. It could barely get me to and from anywhere. And I'm not kidding you. I, I'm not exaggerating. You could call and verify this story. My um, car would run on a quart of oil per hour on the interstate. <laughs> yes, it was bad. I rolled it into a dealership and I bought a car but there's a backdrop to buying that car I prayed to God number one I didn't care what the cost of the car was in my mind I was not smart enough to do that not cost of ownership I was not smart enough all I cared was can I afford monthly payments that's all I cared about and number two Will this car last long enough that it would include a wife, which I did not have a girlfriend, and all the children? It had five seats, (laughs) which means me my wife, at least three children. I literally prayed to God fervently about this car, and I bought the best car in the whole wide world. I bought a 1991 stick shift Ford Escort. (laughs) Prayed to God over it And do you know It made it through the years of being married And our first three daughters Not a single problem Now however we attribute it to God I give him thanks for that car I really do The thing is that car we could have easily said It's just a car it's just your choice Or we can bring God and acknowledge him And see Him for all he's able to do providentially in ways that we cannot even understand, but acknowledge him. And of course, then there are going to be other decisions that there are very easily seen moral components or possibly immoral components to that. And that's what I'm wanting us to do is in everything we're doing, you know, it may be just simple chocolate and vanilla, but thank you, God, for giving me the opportunity to choose that I got to have chocolate instead of vanilla or vice versa, right? Something that simple or something as great as these discussions that we're talking about here. And so you're faced with your own decisions every single day. But how much is God involved in those decisions? And do you realize that you can be walking toward lady wisdom or unbeknownst to you, you have this seductress like a serpent in the form of wisdom that is used against you and not for you. Remember, because last week we were talking about the gods of the Bible and how there's influences for whatever your belief system is. There is intimidation, of fear of um, deception and every... Vice that Satan has at his disposal in his arsenal And that's why we have passages like Ephesians chapter 6, right putting on the whole armor of God children, right? That's part of your memory verse for this this year for the summer Among others, and so you've got to be aware of those vices and that that these influences are about us And so we need to have God in his spirit Included in our decisions. Let's see if I can. I forgot what, where my, <laughs> all right, let's do this. In the decision that we have. So, no matter the, the decisions that we're making, right, is God involved? In other words, do we seek and ask Him for His wisdom? That lady wisdom we're talking about? Because James tells us in James chapter 1, ask Him and He freely desires to give it to us. Do we ask Him for wisdom every day? Do we ask him for wisdom in the kinds of discussions like, is it going to be a 10-year or or a 30-year or whatever it's going to be for a mortgage? Maybe you need to refi or want to refi or whatever this is. Do you ask him to step in on your process? Does his word, does God's word richly dwell within you? Because remember, if his words are words of wisdom, it's like lady wisdom. Do you seek her? Do you seek her by faith? Because those who have God's word richly dwelling within them are those who are able to set their minds on the spirit of God. Right. And we're told in Romans chapter eight, verse one, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to paraphrase who do not walk according to the flesh. Think Eve, Genesis three, falling to the ways of Satan or the ways of the serpent or the ways of the spirit of God where is personified for us lady wisdom what you gonna do I know that this does not give us you know like okay now what is my situation here's my situation what do I do in this case because God's word was never intending to give us every single infinite ways of looking at life and giving us a decision what he's done is given us do you love me do you love my ways are you seeking my ways? Are you going to seek to let me be your guide or not? And that leads us to Jesus. Because here's Jesus facing the most difficult situation of, of his life when he is in the garden of Gethsemane. And he knows his time is near. But our Savior, though he be God who came to this earth and dwelt among us in the flesh... He still lived in the flesh. And he's got temptations just like we had temptations. And as he's crying out to God with these tears that are unearthly, if you will, blood in his tears because of this distress that he is in, he says, please let this cup pass from me. Please. Please. Nevertheless, I don't want to do my will. I don't want to lean on my own desires. I want to lean on you. Not my will, but yours be done. Brethren and friends, I'm wanting you to see that, that there is a God who loves us and wants us to seek him, to seek his ways. His ways are the ways of life. They're the ways that lead to healing. And he's offered you the healing that comes through Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus said in John 14, verse 6? I am the way. I am the life. I am the truth, right? No one comes to the Father except through me. And you will be wise to put your trust in the one who died for you. And he showed you how to be well-pleasing to the Father. So not only does he want to save you, he wants to lead you in the way Of salvation. He wants to lead you in the way of life. And that's your invitation. If you're here and you want to follow Jesus, He wants you to die to yourself and bypass that tree of knowledge of good and evil and go straight to the tree of life. He wants you to seek Lady Wisdom, who is able to give you healing and all the riches of life that you see. And when I'm talking about riches of life, I mean it from a metaphorical standpoint, okay? Like Lady Wisdom, she's full of riches. You'll have that because God will give it to you in abundance if that's your desire. That's your invitation. If you need our prayers, by all means, we can pray for you. If you're wanting the prayers because of whatever your situation is, we'll be happy to do so. But especially if you want to become a child of God, here's your invitation as together we stand and sing the song.